Good afternoon, church. Or good morning, maybe still. Because we haven't been long enough for it to be afternoon yet. As you're aware, if you've been around Christianity before, in front of me is this table with the emblems of communion. And before we actually take part in those emblems today, I want to talk a little bit about communion itself. I want to talk about what we're called to do when we're called to communion. Because we think of it in terms of its, its value for us individually. We think of it in, in terms of uh, sort of this, this act that we participate in. It's something we do as followers of Christ. We participate in communion. But the statement about communion, when communion is actually described in the New Testament, it says that we are to remember. Remember the thing that we're doing. Remember the thing that Jesus did. We're supposed to remember. In fact, Scripture spends some time talking about things to remember, right? Um, You you know that uh, pretty much every Seventh-day Adventist knows the concept of remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, right? But when it speaks of communion, the two passages here in Corinthians and in Luke said, Take ye, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The communion is supposed to help us remember something. Now, there's often the question, or at least what comes to my mind is, okay, so what's the big deal with remembering? Why are we remembering the Sabbath? Why are we remembering our God in our youth? Well, it's pretty simple. It's because we forget. And if you, uh, if you think about it, reality is men forget more than women do. The studies prove it. They have gone, they have looked at the, 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 the track, they have tested the males, they have tested the females, and in reality, men do forget more than women do. So ladies, please, cut us some slack. We can't help it. It's part of being a broken male in this world. Maybe when Jesus comes and restores us to life, we'll have a memory as good as yours. Yours will probably then be better than ours again. But the reality is, males forget more than women do. So think about it, guys. That means we may be needing to be called to remembrance even more. So when he's saying, hey, uh, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. When you take this bread, remember me. Do it in remembrance of me. When you drink this, this wine, remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. In our church, we have sort of a tradition of doing this about once every three months. Basically, about quarterly, we do this little reminder. If you think about Israel, Israel's entire program, the entirety of the way they did worship, was one remembrance event after another, right? In the springtime, when the barley harvest came on, They would have this big celebration. It was called the Passover. It was to remind them that they had been slaves in Egypt and they had been rescued miraculously by God from that slavery, brought 40 years across the desert and planted in the promised land. They were to wave a a little bit of barley. Think of those decorations in people's houses now having like wheat in your house as a thing. And so think about that bit of wheat in someone's house. A piece of barley like that would be waved to remind them that it was God who provided the crops that they were eating. 
<clears throat> everyone else around them was saying, oh, God Baal provided this, and God Asher provided that, and Moloch provided the other thing. And God says to Israel, no, it's not true. I am the only provider. And I can prove it to you. Remember what happened at Passover? Fifty days later, they were supposed to come together again at the wheat harvest, and again they were to be reminded that it was God who was providing for them. A few months later was the Day of Atonement, and they were to come before, come before God at the Day of Atonement. There was a special sacrifice. The priest was going to go stand before God on their behalf. The sanctuary was being cleansed. It was like trash day at the sanctuary. And it was a reminder that God would one day take away all their sins, theirs and ours. The systems that they participated in, sacrificing lambs for their sins, sacrificing Thanksgiving offerings, those morning and evening sacrifices, they all look like just a bunch of blood and guts to us. This was the culture in which everyone worshipped. And God met them in the culture where they lived. And He taught them about His amazing plan. I have a plan to come and get you. You see, this Passover thing wasn't just an Israel thing. It was an everybody thing. And the rescue wasn't just from Egypt. It was from this dirty little planet polluted by sin. That he had a plan to get us all home. To get us to a promised land bigger and better and more awesome than anything anyone could imagine. And the system that they lived from week to week, month to month, was, to de- was designed to tell them to remember God's plan. From week to week, they were reminded to rest because God was really in charge. If you took the Sabbath and you just defined it as that, what is going on on Sabbath? God is calling me to rest. And remember, He created everything. He's in charge of everything. And if I really boil it down, I'm in charge of nothing. God is God, and I am not. Every Sabbath when you wake up, you can tell yourself, God is God, and I am not. It'll make life a lot easier. It helps calm you down. When the world is unraveling around you, to stop and say, God is God and I am not, will really help. And it's one of the things we're called to remember. I love the wisdom of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He's wrapping up the story, right? He's wrapping up the whole thing. Here's an old man reflecting on his life. An old, very wise, sometimes stupid man who is wrapping up sort of his biographical story. And as he's wrapping up his sort of biographical tale, he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. You think about all the things he said up to that point, all the things he's pondered, the wisdom of the ages that brought him to this moment. And he, when he starts to wrap everything up, he says, those of you who are young, remember you were created by God. Remember that the anchor of who you are is actually God. Past your family, past your heritage, past your bloodline, there is God. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Everything about remembering because we are basically like her. We are, we are Jason Bourne waking up in the Mediterranean with a couple of bullets in our back, not knowing how we got there or who we are. We spend the rest of our lives trying to figure that out. And while we're trying to figure it out, God's trying to hand us clues. He's saying, stop. Quit chasing after all this other stuff. 
remember I am God. Remember I am your creator. Stop, wait, I have this under control. I have a plan for you. And the plan is to rescue you. And the plan is to get you home. The plan is to fix all the brokenness in you and restore you to health and restore you to life and give you a life better than you can even imagine. And we're like Dory, swimming around. We can't remember what happened three minutes ago. And God has said, remember, remember, remember. And when we celebrate this communion service, when we celebrate these emblems, He calls us to remember what He's done. He tries to help us remember what He's done. What did He do? He did the Sabbath. He is our Creator. And He is the one whom we can depend on for the next generation. Those of you who are my age, you know how this text me, what this text means to you. Because you know your children have left and now they're doing, they're doing whatever they want. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so we go back to this passage. Again, Solomon, writing the proverb, says, Hey, at the end of the day, you need to pass this on. Not only do you need to remember, you need to remember to pass it on. Pass this on to that next generation. Pass this on to your children. And it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, you got to remember that part. So can I remind you who are parents? It says, when your child is old. Not when he's 16. That's not old, no matter how old he thinks he is. Not when they're 25. Because their brains have barely started operating properly by 25. It's when they are old. When they are old. They will remember what you told them. And God will bring to their memory the things that you planted there. Like seeds coming to harvest. And little ideas. You do know your children will turn into you, right? Whether they think they will or not. Just like you turned into your parents, they will turn into you. Whether that's scary or not to you. Probably should be. But they also will take those things that you planted in them spiritually. And as they come to fruition, there will be a harvest. They're all of free will and can do what they want. But they will not forget the training you give them. And we all get to praise God for that. So as we're coming full circle, back to the comments on communion. Communion is about remembering Jesus sacrifice. It's easy to just do this ceremonially. To just say, yeah, this is that this is this ceremony that we celebrate in Christianity. It's it's a big deal, but it's, you know, it's just a ceremony. Well, yeah, it is. But it's it's an it's a ceremony with an intent. It's a ceremony with an intent. Please, he says, remember him. And then there's this last part. This is interesting because it comes back to the train up a child side of things. It says every time you do this, when you as a church, when you as a person do this, you proclaim his death until he comes. So not only are you remembering, you're seeding the future. Not S-E-E, but S-E, or not C-E-D-E, but S-E-A-D. You're seeding the future. 
You're planting seeds in the lives of others. Maybe your own family, maybe somebody else you don't know, but you're seeding it. You're starting to plant seeds for the future in the remembrance of this event. It's a big event, isn't it? It carries a lot more weight than we usually stop and think about. It is a reminder to us and any believer, it's also a seed proclaiming the death of Jesus for those who might be the next generation of believers. So communion is about retelling the story of Jesus' sacrifice. But here's the story. It's the reminder that he took upon himself the crucifixion. At the crucifixion, our weakness, so that we might have access to his strength. He took upon himself at the crucifixion, our weakness, so that we might have access to his strength. The weakness of our brokenness and sin. The weakness of our humanity. The weakness of our bad decision-making. He took upon himself all the weaknesses of who we are so that we might have access to the strength of who he is. He took our spiritual poverty so that we might have his divine Riches. You know, when Adam and Eve decided to eat at the devil's fruit stand, they sold our inheritance. They gave away our inheritance for a little fruit. And when they did that, we, we were left impoverished. Jesus said, I'll take that poverty. I will take the poverty that resulted in sin, and I will give you back for that the divine riches of my Father. Because that's how much I love you. That's how much I care about you. That's how much you're worth to me. He took our spiritual poverty and gave us divine riches. He became the son of man so we could become the sons and daughters of God. He descended from heaven so that we might ascend to heaven. He came to restore all that we lost because of our sin to a state that was before sin. He came to take us to a place we don't have access to simply because he loves us and wants us home. There's no other reason. There is no selfish reason behind the actions of Jesus. Simply his desire to see as many of his kids get home as possible. That's it. That's his only reason. Jesus came to declare your value. If sacrifice defines value, you are greatly valued. If what someone is willing to sacrifice for something defines what its value is, you are amazingly valued. Because he took poverty. Because you had poverty. He took sin. Because you had sin. He took death because you had death. He took humanity because you were stuck in the, shelter, in, in the shell of humanity. He took earth because you needed heaven. He took all because he valued you that much. Your value is determined by sacrifice. And the Godhead emptied heaven for you. Communion is about all of this. 
Communion is about what God was willing to do to try to get us home. Communion is, in fact, the story of redemption. In one thing, in some simple symbols, nothing, nothing here is earth-shattering. Nothing here is, is crazy different. It's just straightforward, clear statement from God. Paul, the, 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 the one who gives us 1 Corinthians 11 and is explaining to the Corinthians how communion is supposed to function, he writes what is to me one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It's at the end of Romans chapter 8 when he's trying to just... To, it, I just picture him getting excited. And he's just... These words are flying out of him because he's so excited. Beginning in verse 31, he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. And I want to stop there for a second because if Jesus was just forced to come, not of his own will, it's just some sort of divinely designed human sacrifice. If Jesus, as Jesus declared, came on his own, then it's a divinely engaged sacrifice. Not someone sent, but someone who came. Sent his own son, and don't be confused about that. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He shall, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a, a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God has chosen to sacrifice himself for us, who can deny that sacrifice? Who is bigger? Who is stronger? Who is more, who is more in charge of things than the creator of all things? And when the creator of all things saw enough value in us, to give himself so that we might have the opportunity for heaven. He declared, if you want this, you can have this. Communion has one last piece I want to mention. There's this moment in the midst of the communion service when Jesus and the disciples are sitting around that table that night. So, uh, Imagined by us. And as he breaks that bread the first time, and he hands it out to the disciples. Do you remember what he says after they, when, he, when he's talking to them about this bread, when, he said, when he's passing it to them? He says, Take and eat. In a little more modern translation, take some of this bread and eat it. It's an interesting little thing. It's an invitation to anyone who is willing to have the sacrifice of Christ, the broken body of Christ, to take part in it freely. The debt has been paid. The sacrifice has been made. All that is left is the choosing. Today, we're going to take part in resemblance. 
I hope you'll not only take part in the emblem, but in the choice. Let's pray. Father God, we see for ourselves our great need. We recognize that we get busy in life and we forget that you've done it. We get worried about work, worried about our family, and we forget that you are our creator. Sometimes we get caught in the midst of some sin that has such a strong grip on us that we forget that you are the ultimate answer to sin. And today we choose you. In Jesus' name.